This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Nowadays, sometimes you can look at the world and think, we've gone crazy. Things seem out of control. But remember, God is always in control. Are you looking for something fresh, new, and exciting? This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Taking the positive message of Jesus Christ to the world. Proclaiming he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Broadcasting from the Upper Room Studios to the world. Are you ready? Let's get into it. This is Outreach.fm. And now, here's Pastor William Luffman. I'm going to read from Romans 15. I'm going to read from the Message Bible just to give it some more uh, clarity. You're going to probably have a different version. It says this, There's the root of our ancestor Jesse breaking through the earth and growing tree tall, tall enough for everyone everywhere to see and take hope. Everyone say, to see and take hope. This stood out to me. I want to pause on it for just a moment because one way that hope comes now, hope is something you can't see. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. But, but a lot of times you can stir up hope by looking at something that's already happened. For instance, how many of you have ever had something, a situation in your life that was hopeless that later on changed for good? Now, they're pointing out here the ancestors that they had, and Paul's trying to remind them that, you know, even though it looked like the root of Jesse, it didn't look like Jesus would ever come. He's talking about Jesus. He was the root of Jesse, that he would ever be born, but he did come. And now he's still standing tall after all these years. And he's saying, sometimes you got to look back and say, wait a minute, this situation I'm in is hopeless, but I've been in a hopeless situation before. And you can actually gain hope by seeing how one thing was hopeless before and it got better. Now, I want to give a a little illustration in here, just a real quick one to give you something to kind of help you with this a little bit. Um, We have in this church right now that I'm aware of about seven or eight people that have a diagnosis of cancer. That's not unusual for a group of this many. We got several, several hundred members. As you know, we're not all in this building at one time, but we encompass quite a few people. That's not unusual. Statistically speaking, we're, that's probably a low number for this number of people and for our age bracket that we have in this church as well. Uh, but for, if you're one of those people that's been diagnosed with cancer, I want you to raise your hand in here today if you once were diagnosed with cancer, but you are not, you are not, you're free of cancer right now. I want you to raise your hand. Now I want you to wave them. I want you to wave them. Now, why did that scripture say, look and see? So what this ought to do for those of you that may have a diagnosis of cancer is you're seeing people that also had that and they're like, I'm free, I'm healed. It should give you some hope and you've got to have hope to get to faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So I wanted to bring that out. I could do this with a number of things. If you're struggling with addiction in here and I wouldn't ask you to raise your hand at all if you are, please don't. We're not here to embarrass you on any level. But if you're struggling with any form of addiction, let me ask a different question. You don't raise your hand. But if you are someone who has struggled with any form of addiction in the past and you're totally free from it, raise your hand and wave it. Okay? 
So what is that? What am I trying to do? I'm trying to show you there's hope. I'm trying to show you that you can see. You can actually see that there's evidence that you can have hope. So that's when you come to church, the the pastor, he or she should always, no matter what the, the subject title is, by the end of that sermon, there should be some hope put inside you. I am not here to entertain you. I'm not. I'm not even here for you to like me. I hope you do. I'm a pretty likable guy. I'm a pretty easy-going fella. If you hang around me, you'll find out I'm a, I'm, I'm a party going somewhere to happen. And if you hang out with me, we'll have some fun. Uh, but, but my job is not to get you to like me. My job is to get you to get some hope. Because you'll get some hope. Faith will get right in there with that hope, and it'll pull you forward. Even if you're in a storm, even if you're in a sickness, even if you've just gone through a divorce, even if you've just gone through a separation, even if you've just gone through a death, even if you've just lost your money, even if somebody just, you know, betrayed you, a a child, one of your children betrayed you, that's a rough one. Uh, But listen, there's hope. Can you shout amen? Amen. So that's why I really believe we're in this little mini-series. I have preached on this before, of course, having been in this church for 33 years. Uh, of course, I've preached on just about every subject, I guess. But, but there's a reason God will bring a word at a certain time. God's about to do some big things. And God needs our faith to be so vibrant and alive that he can do some quick things. And for that to happen, hope is like the fuse to the faith. And we've got to make sure our hope is, is vibrant and ready. And that we're not wishing, but we're in Bible hope. We're in a whole different level. I know when it's tough, it's, it's hard, to, but we're, we're going to get you through this. It goes on to say, verse 13, Oh, may the God of green hope, I like that, green hope. It's an interesting choice of words here. May the God of green hope fill you up with joy, fill you up with peace. Everybody say, fill me up. Yeah. All right, fill you up with joy, fill you up with peace, so that your believing lives filled with the life giving energy of the Holy Spirit and that you will actually brim over with hope. One, one theologian said that hope is the oxygen of the soul. Amen. I like that. Hope is the oxygen of the soul. What is your soul? It's your mind, your emotions, and your will. We covered some of that last week and talked about it. That we are, for our soul to be healthy, we've got to have hope. Because if you don't have hope, your mind will will torment you. Your emotions will overwhelm you, right? And your will, you'll suddenly lose the will to do things that you really should be doing. Sometimes, uh, someone smarter than me said this years ago, um, I'm going to try to make sure I say it the correct way. You've heard me say it before. Uh, Some way, sometimes you've got to act your way into believing. In other words, you've got to go through the motions until suddenly it becomes natural. So I said, well, you're faking it. No, you're not. You're, you're, you're pressing. It's not a fake at all. If I'm pressing, I, I'm, I'm pressing to get into where I'm really, it'll become natural now. Amen. When, when I tell you all the stories all the time, uh, right before I met Pastor Ginger, you've heard them all. I know many, 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 many times. You hear them every week. I get it. 
But I just want to say again, I believe the thing that got me through that time was I pressed and I acted my way into faith until faith finally got real to me and hope. That, I, that even though I was devastated and even though I was, I was just tormented and even though I was going through a loss of my family and a loss of all these different things and I was a young, young man in those days, even though I went through all of that, I, I knew enough to press on and keep going even though I didn't feel it and my prayers weren't very genuine at first and I, just, and I, had, to, I had to say a lot of prayers through a lot of tears. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. But by doing that, eventually, real faith got, got energized inside me to all of a sudden, I was hoping and believing that God was going to do something. And when I got to that level of time, that's when God sent Ginger to me. Amen. And that worked out pretty good, as you can tell. Amen. Now... So again, we talked about uh, Jeremiah 17, 7 says, Blessed is a man that trusts in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. So we have to put our hope in the Lord. Everybody say, put your hope in the Lord. I, my job is not to get you to put your hope in me. Put your hope in the Lord. I'm a flesh and blood man. I, I'm just like you. I, I, I live, I I. You know, I was at my house the other day. I was taking out trash. I was pulling up weeds out of my little, you know, my landscape. And I'm just like you, man. I, I, so, but I want you to put your hope in the Lord. I, I'm, that's my job to point you to heaven. Can you shout amen? Now, everybody, I said this last week, everybody on planet Earth, just like they have a measure of faith, the Bible says to every man, there's a measure of faith given. That also must mean then there's a measure of hope because, again, you can't have faith without hope. So everybody has a little hope in them already. And the job, what we got to do is get this thing connected to God. Now, I know a lot of you have had your hopes dashed. Again, you've had them dashed by people and dashed by, disappointed by people and disappointed by, by whatever in your life. But that's why we put, get, get our hope in the Lord. Amen. But the devil will fight you. The devil knows if you ever get your hope churning and your hope back in the Lord and back in the Word of God and back in what he said about you, he knows it won't be long till faith will come along and it'll just pull you into your destiny. So he's going to fight you for you to lose hope. And for you to start believing, I'll never recover. Things will never get better. I'll never find the right mate in my life. I'm so tired of this. I've been hurt too many times. What's wrong with me? Nobody on planet earth would want me. I guess I'll never have what I really wanted when I was a little boy or girl. I guess all those dreams are gone and it's just too late. But those are lies from hell. Because the Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Number one, I'll give you some little things to write down. Number one, hope is the pathway to the future. I like that. Hope will carve a pathway to the future even when it looks like you don't have much of a future. Hope will carve a pathway. I used this point in one of my sermons years ago and I also used this phrase by Dutch Sheets. I love this one. He said, you don't have to be well to hope, but you have to hope to become well. You don't have to be well to hope, 
but you have to hope to become well. So if you want to get well from that death, from that divorce, from that betrayal, from that disappointment, from that setback, if you want to get well, you're going to have to get your hope going. Amen? Amen? It's like the guy came along, this little boy at the ball game, and uh, he was invited to come and watch his little nephew play, and he got there, and the game had already started, and he was all excited, and he looked up, and uh, the team, uh, his little boy was playing, they were the home team, and it was still the top of the first, and he looked up, and his little nephew was getting beat 18 to nothing. And he's like, oh, my goodness. He slipped over to the dugout and he said, oh, my goodness. He said, man, he said, son, I'm so sorry I couldn't get here earlier. He said, he said, I know you're really disappointed. I know you're really disappointed. He said, I'm not disappointed at all. <laughs> and uh, his uncle said, well, why aren't you disappointed? He said, because we haven't come up to bat yet. <laughs> Looks at their neighbor and say, we haven't even come up to bat yet. So maybe the devil has swung. Maybe he's hit you. Maybe, maybe he's put a few runs up on the board against you, but that's all right. Yeah, better, better. Yeah, better, better. Yeah, better, better. Keep that elbow up. Yeah, better, better. Right? Look at your neighbor and say, we haven't even come up to bat yet. Amen. Proverbs 21, 15 through 18, if you want to go there quickly, I'm going to read from the Amplified Classic Bible here. I like these other translations because they give us a little more clarity. You need to find a Bible that you can understand. Most of them are pretty good. People always ask me, what Bible should I read? Well, you need to get one you can certainly understand. Most of them are pretty good. It's not... I, I don't, st- I study out of usually the literal Greek or Hebrew. I'll do a lot of study there. And then I'll just choose some translations that will help me communicate it to you. Uh, I don't necessarily study out of some of the Bibles that I read to you from. I just use them to get clarity for you. But this is one I actually study from, the Amplified Classic. It says in Proverbs 21, 15, My son, if, and this would be your, do- your daughter as well, If your heart is wise, my heart will be glad, even mine. Now, this is a father talking to a son. Yes, my heart will rejoice when your lips speak right things. Let not your heart envy sinners. Now, think about that. Don't let your heart, don't, don't, don't ever start envying people that are going to hell. Come on, amen, amen. My pastor, you really believe people go to hell? I absolutely do because this book verifies it. There's a heaven and there's a hell. I know it doesn't get preached, but it's there. He says, don't you envy the sinners, but continue in the reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord all the day long. Now, here's verse 18 in the Amplified Classic. For surely there is a latter end, a future and a reward, and your hope and expectation shall not be cut off. Can you say amen? So he says, don't get caught up with the world because if you walk with God long enough, there is a hope and an expectation. You're going to be rewarded. Can I have a grunt? All right. Now, here's another important thing. You have to find people that are hopeful to spend time with. Now, I love everyone in here. And if you make an appointment and you have a serious problem and you want to meet with me, we usually arrange that. By the way, I know it's hard to believe, I have a schedule. 
And it's funny how people will get off from work to go to the dentist, the doctor, the lawyer to get their oil changed even, but they'll expect the pastor to just, you know, conform to their schedule. But anyway, we won't go there today because, you know, the pastor's not that important. But, but let me just say this. I love everybody in here. I'll meet with you and I'll do my best to help you. But if you think I'm going to hang out with you, if you're negative, I won't. I only purposely, intentionally hang out with hopeful people. Because I'm not going to let you drain my hope. I'm not going to let you take my hope from me. Now, some of you need to reassess your, your close circle and figure out, do they cause me to be more hopeful and more joyful and more at peace? And do they rev up my faith and encourage me? Uh, or do every time I get around them, I leave there thinking, my, or, or even when I get there, I'm thinking, my God in heaven, get me out of here. Now, if you're married to somebody like that, you stuck. You better be praying God will work on them. We're not advocating divorce, okay? Amen, amen. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Because hope is like, it's just like faith, hope, and love. These, these, what they also do is they multiply. Those three things, when they're put into force, uh, they'll attract the same thing. Faith will attract more faith. Hope will attract more hope. And love will attract more love. Find you some people that when you get around them, you might be a little down and you're like, man, every time I leave them, I feel better. I feel like things are going to, I feel like things are going to work out. Man. Now, social media, it can be okay or it can be a cesspool. I don't, there's some people on there, I don't know why I leave them as friends because they're definitely not friends. And every time they post, it's, it's the old, you know, the old hee-haw. And I've used it many times. You know, it's the old hee-haw song. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If there weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. And remember that from the old hee-haw song. Come on. I knew Ezel was a hee-haw guy. I knew it. Can't judge a book by its cover. And I see them on social media and I'm thinking, of course, nothing but bad and negative happens to you because that's all you ever talk about. That's all you ever broadcast. That's all you ever put out there. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong if you're going through something to tell somebody to get them to help you and to pray for you. But my God in heaven, the Bible says we should glorify God with our mouth. And believe it or not, social media is an extension of your mouth. And God is looking. What you say on social media is just like something out of your mouth. And God says every idle word you're going to have to give an account for. Choose your words carefully. You should, we should always choose our words carefully. Because they, they, can, they can bring us a lot of harm. So again, find some hopeful people that you can hang around that will, that will, that will lift you up. Amen. If, if, when I go through, when I go through uh, difficulties, which I'm like you and I do, I've got about three or four people I'm going to call every time. Because I call my pastor, Dr. Barkley. Dr. Barkley, man, I mean, he'll kick you in the seat of the pants, but he'll give you some hope while he's doing it. You know, he'll do it every time. Now, William, you know what the word says. Yes, sir. You know what you're going to have to do. Yes, sir. But I want you to know I love you. 
And me and Miss B are with you, and we're going to walk with you, and you're going to come on through. So I get a kick in the seat of the pants, but I get a dose of hope with it. Now take this hope. Okay. I didn't like going to school as a kid. You heard all those stories, and I know you heard this story a million times too, but my mama gave me an ultimatum one time. She said, either you're going to school or you're taking this dose of castor oil. How many of you know what that is? It might as well be motor oil. She said, either you go to school today, and she didn't get a teaspoon, she got a tablespoon. She said, either you go to school or you got to take this casserole. I said, bring it on. I got this. I belched that stuff for a week and a half. I'm not going to tell you what was happening on the other end. Because we're in church and I'm supposed to be proper and I'm supposed to be really refined, you know. So, amen. All right, enough of that. Number two, we must have hope to go forward. I want to talk to you a little bit here. Go to Psalm 42, verse 1. I learned this here in the last few weeks. I'm not a hunter. I'm not against it. Although, uh, Pastor Ginger feeds every animal within 100 million miles of our house. We, I, buy, I buy sacks of bird seed that are about this big almost once a week. And I guarantee every bird within 50 blocks has already told their friends, come on over here, man. They got... I mean, they got feed. we got so many bird feeders hanging out there in our backyard, and, and uh, but I'm not against hunting. I realize it's in the Bible. I don't do it personally because I'm married to Ellie Mae Clampett, and there's no way she'd let me. She's not gonna let me win her critters. She's not gonna let me hurt a critter. Although I did kill a snake yesterday. I'm sorry if you like them and you want to handle them and you want to play with them. You have fun, but I handle them with like a rod or a gun or a stick. That's the way I handle them. So just so you know. But uh, I learned something about deer. Let's look here in Psalm 42, verse one. As the deer, the literal word there is deer. As the deer pants after the water brooks, so pants my soul after you, O God. Now David is talking here. And he's saying that I am a lot like the deer. I learned some things about deer. Deer, uh, like most animals, but more than like most animals, must have water. They have to have water. They, and especially if they get chased or they feel danger or they have to move quickly, they pant really hard and it causes them to lose the water in their body faster than a lot of animals. They can lose up to 80% of the water in their body in a very short amount of time if they're moving and they're, they're, they're trying to get away. So the first thing a deer will do if they believe they've cleared danger at all, even while they're clearing danger, they're looking for water. Because they've got this intrinsic thing inside them. They know that if I don't find water, I'm gonna, they'll die. Some literally will just fall over and die. That's how, that's how quickly it can happen for a deer. And David says here, like a deer has to run to get water for survival, We're going to find out in a minute. He's saying, I I long for God. We're going to find out he's actually talking about hope. I'm telling you that when you're under attack and when you're being chased and when you're being hunted by the devil, you better find some hope pretty fast. Because your life's dependent on it. That's why it's important to come to a church that preaches the word where the pastor doesn't show off his muscles and his skinny jeans and makes you laugh a couple of times. And then you go home, you go home and you don't have anything to fight the devil with. You didn't get any water. You got some pictures of water. 
What good would it be for you if you're thirsty for me to go up here and look at this water? Or what would it be good for me to just hold water in front of you and go, man, this water's so good. This water's so good, but I never give you any water. My job's to get you water. And in this case, the metaphor for water is hope. Deers dehydrate quickly, especially when they're under attack, especially when they're being hunted. They almost always know where water is because they know if they get under attack, they better find it quickly. Another thing a deer will do that I pointed out before, which is really interesting, they will risk their lives to get the water. Even if it's out in open, they'll get to, because they'll say, even if I die, I know I'm going to die if I don't get the water, and I may die by exposing myself to look for it, but I've still got to get to the water. Now I want you to catch this. This is a big deal right here. We're talking about hope here. This is, how, this is how we have to have hope. It's not nice to have hope. It's not good to have hope. But you've seen people like I have. I've been in ministry a long time. I've visited people in the hospital, and I've watched them. The moment they give up hope, they die. And some of them, the prognosis was not that they're supposed to die. Some of them supposedly have more time, and some of them aren't even that deadly sick. But the moment they give up hope, they quit looking for water. They quit, you know, because the devil's not going to quit pursuing. The devil's going to keep the heat on. The devil's going to keep the pressure on. They finally just fall over and they die. When hope runs out of a marriage, it dies. You've got to keep hope in a marriage. Again, we're married 40 years in October. And I I still to this day have hope that our best days haven't even gotten here yet. And I got to be real before you. We've had a lot of great days. As husband and wife, we've had very few days that weren't good in 40 years. You know, it's like the old joke somebody said, how long have you been married? Uh, 23 years. How long have you been happily married? Well, I've been happily married 40 years. Right? So David says here, as a deer pants for the water, they can lose up to 80% of their water in a short amount of time. Because they pant so much. When they get under stress, they get under pressure, when they're being moved quickly, when they're being hunted. And that sounds a lot like us when the pressure's on and the devil's coming and, and you got a bad report from the doctor and you got a bad news from one of your kids and, and, and you've had a hard day at work and somebody that you trusted and like, you know, you were, you, you know you, maybe you were going to get married. Maybe they were your fiance. And well, don't get me started there. Somebody that lives with you and sleeps with you and been doing it for seven years, it's not your fiancé. They are your shack up honey, but they are not your fiancé. Because obviously, if they were going to marry you, it would have happened. But you see it in our society. Now, don't don't shout me down. Some of you like my preaching until I got there. I'm trying to help you, though. I really am. I'm not being mean. I'm not being cruel. I'm not being judgmental, even. But, you know, in society now, well, my boyfriend and I, my fiancé, and it's like, he's not your fiancé. You don't have no ring on your finger, girl. Don't you have any sense? He's not going to sit and date with you. The only date he wants is the next time he can go to bed with you. This is the kind of preaching we need in America that we will not get. You're not going to get it in most churches. Because the pastors want to fill the seats. They're afraid if they say anything, somebody will get mad and offended and get their little feelings hurt. 
And, but my job is to help you because God wants you to find the right person that'll love you, respect you, be everything you want them to be, that you'll enjoy life with, you'll have fun with, that's not a user, not a player, or an abuser. Now, I don't know how I got off into this, but you know, at the 10 o'clock service, you get a different version sometimes than what they get at the 8.30 service. I had 19 minutes to preach this morning at the 8.30 service. Can you imagine me preaching this message in 19 minutes? It was tough. Amen. All right, let's move along. We will move faster, though. So a deer must have water to survive more than any other animal. It will risk anything because it must have water. We, as human beings, must have hope. We must have hope, especially after a trial especially after a storm, especially after something bad has happened, we, we've got to, we immediately have to go look somewhere to get some hope. We've got to get replenished quickly or it'll take you down. Now I have two medical doctors sitting within just a few feet of me. Got Dr. Fry right here, Dr. Twilly here, and even uh, uh, Joy is also a doctor. Uh, uh, or was a doctor psychiatry? So I mean, they're all they were all certified. Doc- I only say this because they know they're confirming this. They've seen patients and they've seen people that they know that once hope is gone, it's gone. I mean, pe- their their lives are spiraling downward. Church should be the one place you can depend on. That if I can just get to church, I'll get some water. I'm going to get a little water if I get to church. If I can just get to church, I'll get some water. If I can just get there, a little H2O. Amen. Amen. I have gone to church so many times in my own life. I haven't always pastored. I mean, I've preached a lot and, and all that. But I, as I've told you, I still go to a lot of conferences. And you don't know how many times I go to those conferences and I am so dry. And I'm so thirsty for some hope. And I sit there and thank God because I go in there hungry and thirsty. I'm filled every time. And I return and I say, you know what? I don't know how, but somehow, somehow, I'm going to make it because I got my, I got something in me. Let's read, uh, let's read a little bit more real fast here. Let's read Psalm 42. We're not finished here. Let's read it real fast. Uh, verse 2, my soul thirsts for God. Listen to that. Not for the world. Not to be popular. Not to have the most likes on Facebook. My soul thirsts for God. For the living God, when shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night. So yeah, you're going through these hard, dark seasons. While they, the world, the people out there continually say to me, where's your God? You ever, ha- you ever had anybody mock you? They knew you were a Christian. They said, man, I know you're going through some stuff. Where's your God at? Where's your God? It's the way the world works. Look at verse 4. But when I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I have gone... This is so important. I want you to make sure you highlight this in your Bible. I had gone with the multitude. I went with them, not, listen, the multitude he went with, he went with was not the world. He said, I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God. I went with them where? 
Did I just watch online? What did I do? I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with a multitude that kept the holy day. Do you see that in your Bible? I'm reading King James Version there, babe. I'm not even reading them. We don't even have to go modern here to find out what he's talking about. When the pressure got on and I was going through the agony and the trial and I was crying, I didn't stay home. I got up and I went. I didn't go with that bunch out in the world. I went with the bunch that went to church. And I went to the house of God. And when it was the holy day, I was in the house of God. I wasn't at home. I wasn't hungover. I hadn't been out partying the night before. I came to the house of God. I knew I needed God. I knew I needed hope. And I came to the house of God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. What version do you have there, Doc? I have the New King James. New King James. I'm going to read from yours. Let's look now at verse um, 5 of Psalm 42. You say, well, what are you talking about hope? Well, let's see. Verse 5. I went with them to the house of God. Okay, verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. Amen. For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you shout amen? amen? There's our hope right there. Yes. David starts out talking about the metaphor of the deer that has to have the water and will risk everything and knows he'll die if he didn't get the water. He said, I'm just like the deer. I gotta get, I'm, I'm not running with it. When I get in trouble, I don't run back into the world with that bunch. I run with the bunch that's going to the house of God. I get to the house of God and when it's the day to go to the house, when it's the holy day, I'm in the house of God. I don't say I had a hard week and nobody knows what I went through and the grass needs to be cut and the laundry's at home and we got to get this done because I got another busy week next week. Okay, but let me ask you this. Can your laundry save your soul? Can your grass keep you out of hell? You can have tall grass and dirty laundry and still go to heaven. All right, let me get back up here. I know you're wondering, why did Pastor Ginger feed him this morning? Well, I, I, I drove to Louisville last night, was at a concert, left there at nine something, drove home, got home last night, and woke up at four this morning and prayed for you. So I'm running off, not much sleep, but I don't need much. We can rest when we get to heaven. Maybe, I don't know. All right, look real quickly. So we as human beings must have hope, especially after a trial, because hope replenishes us, and hope sustains us, and hope restarts us. I didn't think in 1981 I would ever have a family again, and it was the only thing I ever wanted. I was so different from most of, and I know you've heard this, especially in this particular time frame, this group. But as I've told you before, I was unlike a lot of young men back in the 60s, going into my, in the 70s. I, I, yeah, I wanted to be a meteorologist, and I wanted to be a chemist, and I wanted to be a DJ, and I had a lot of that flavor in me, and I, those are a lot of interests that I still have to this day. But the number one thing I wanted out of life, at 12 years old, I told God, I want a family. Because I was raised in a broken home with a horrible father, so dysfunctional, and I, I just, when I was 12, I would envision myself being married 
having children when I got a little older, going to work, coming home, and being with my family. That's all I wanted. And when all of that was taken away almost in one swoop of time when in 1981, it was hard for me to hope that I would ever have that again. But again, I ran to the water. I ran to the well. I ran to the house of God. And I found out this about hope. Let me tell you something else about hope that's pretty cool. You don't need a lot of it to get going. If you can get just a little hope. Because again, hope will grow. And hope will attract some more hope. If you can just get a little bit. And I'd go to the house of God and I'd get a little hope. And again, look what the Lord has done. Now, quickly, we got to go, go quickly. I'm skipping a really good set of verses that I wish I could read, but we just really don't have time. So number three then, number two, we must have hope to go forward. Number three, hope is the most important thing in your life when evil knocks at your door. We've kind of covered that to a certain degree. But again, when something bad happens, go find some hope. Amen. Go, go, get, go somewhere where there's some hope. Don't run to hopeless places. Run to where there's some hope. Number four, hope, and I, this is one of my sermons in the past, but I thought it was worthy to put into this one. Hope is the conviction that God can be trusted with our dreams. Amen. Hope is the conviction that God can be trusted with our dreams. How many believe that God can be trusted? Amen. Now, if we believe God can be trusted... And we know that he wants to give us things that we desire. I'm not talking about sinful things and evil things, but just things in general. Like God wants, if you want to have a family, God wants you to have a family. If you want to have a good spouse, God wants you to have a good spouse. The Bible says he that findeth, uh, the, the real translation says he that finds a good wife finds a good thing. Of course, if all you find is a wife, you might find a thing. Or a husband. But he that findeth, we can say this, or he that findeth a good wife or a good husband finds a good thing. God wants that for you. Now, you need, if you are married, you need to be a good wife or a good husband. And hope to God you know which one you are. That's another thing that I won't get into. All right. Now, Charles Sawyer said, of all the forces that make for a better world, of all the forces, none is so indispensable None is so powerful as hope. Without hope, men are only half alive. That brings me to point number five. Hope is life. Hope is a sign that you're still alive. You might have gone through a horrible, horrible trial. You might have had some, uh, a spouse die. God forbid even a child, which Pastor Ginger has experienced. Uh, you could have gone through something incredibly, horribly tragic. But if you have hope, you will still keep living. Amen. Hope is a sign you're still alive. Amen. Somebody said, how are you going to make it? Somehow. I'm going to have to get on that somewhere, somehow. But I have hope. It's a sign that you're still alive. How many of you in here have hope? Now, how many of you have more hope now than you did when you got here? Can you see how this works? You want to know why? You've been drinking today. You've come to the water. You've come where the water well is. And God is restoring your hope. Thank God for it. 
I've got some scripture there, but I really don't think that we have time for that. Go to number six. It's another one that I've used. I think it's a great one. Hope is an anchor for your soul. Why, why, is, why is that really important? Well, um, we've been... I remember we went, uh, we've been on several cruises, and one of the cruises we went on, uh, the lady said, you know, we went down in the morning for like a briefing, here's where we're going today, here's what you can expect, look for this when we're out in this kind of water, look for that. They said we might see some whales, which we did wind up seeing, and uh, they said, you know, uh, and then I remember when we were going along, and all of a sudden I heard the, the captain came over the speaker, he said, okay folks, in just about 10 minutes we're going to drop anchor. And he said, we're in a good spot here for the next two hours. I want you to, you know, go about the ship and look out because you're probably going to see, you know, some whales, which he dropped anchor and we did. That big old ship, big as that thing was, and that thing, I don't even know how much those things weigh. I, I can't even, I wouldn't even go try to estimate. And the anchor's heavy, but it doesn't weigh anything like that ship. But they dropped that anchor down, and I'm telling you what, we felt just a tiny little rock, and that was about it, and we didn't go anywhere. Until while that anchor is down, hope will keep you steady. Amen. Just keep you steady. Amen. Everything else can be going on around you, but that hope will just keep you steady. People, when you go through things, people are always watching to see how you react. Yes. You notice that? Yes. Hopefully, as you hopefully notice that word, as you get older, you're able to handle things a little better. Now, doesn't mean you're not hurting. Doesn't mean you're not going through anything. But you've learned how to put the anchor down. And sometimes people go, well, well they don't even act like anything's going on. Well, I'm, it's not about that. It's about I'm going to keep hope anyway. It's not about what's going on. But I know how to drop the anchor and wait until some faith comes along to join up with my hope. Amen. Amen. Now, finally, point number seven. Everybody loves it when you say the word finally. I know they do. You know it doesn't mean a whole lot, but we can suppose that it does. Uh, I'll, I'll use this illustration. I've used this one as well before. Um, Tony Evans tells this story about... How many of you know who Tony Evans is? Love Tony Evans, man. What a... What a great speaker and orator and he's been through some stuff in his life and you notice he's just kept right on going and uh, he told the story of this chess master that was in this museum and the, the uh, whatever you, the curator or whatever you call him of the museum was giving him a tour and he thought he would especially like to see a couple of paintings that had chess boards on it so they took him into this one area and they said we want you to look at this piece here this piece of art and it was a chessboard, and in the, it was called, um, I forgot what, checkmate. And it had Lucifer playing what was supposed to have been a young chess, like a protege. But it said checkmate, and the curator said, as you can see, though, in this, and he's telling this chess master this, as you can see in this piece that uh, Lucifer has won, this, has won this game because he's got this young man in checkmate. The chess master stood back and looked at it, pierced at it two or three times. He said, no, he doesn't. And the curator said, no, I mean, the man who did this and painted it, he said, absolutely, you know, he, he's looked at this, he knows. He goes, no, he doesn't. He said, I'm looking at that board and I'm telling you, that young man has one more move. Amen. Wow. 
And I'm here to tell you today, the devil may tell you, checkmate. And God's saying, excuse me, but you got one more move. You got one more move. You might have gone through a divorce and the devil said, checkmate. And God said, oh, no, not so fast. Not so fast because we got another move here. You might have gone through a death. You might have gone through uh, a loss of money, a loss of income. Uh, maybe you've gone through some mental depression. It's real. You know, we have to be careful in church that we don't judge people and act like that mental uh, people can get mentally sick. We see it in the Bible. And it's, we have to be careful in faith churches that we don't dismiss that and we don't, well, depression isn't real and they just need to, no, no, no. These are, the devil will attack your, will attack your mind. And if you've been under some mental stress or you've gone through a breakup or you've gone through some kind of anguish that's really been hard to deal with and the devil says, checkmate. You just say, excuse me, I got one more move. One more move. I used to play chess. I wasn't that great, so I'm not trying to tell you I was on any kind of a high level at all. I, the, I think I could have been pretty good, but I can't get anybody to play. And so I haven't played like 25 years. I still know which way they all move, and that's about all I remember at this point. Nobody in my family plays. But I do remember when I played a little bit, there was a couple kids that were real brainiacs in the class. And so what I'd do is I'd just watch them play. And then I got to figure, I thought, I, now I get it. You're not just trying to make your next move. You're thinking two and three and four moves ahead. Yeah. And sometimes you set up the opponent where they think they got you and you lure them in to making a move that looks like you're in check. And the next thing you know, they've exposed themselves. Yeah. And you got them. Yeah. I'm telling you to have hope because yeah. you have one more move. And all, and all it takes is one more. Yeah. One more move. I said in 1981, I will never, ever, ever have a relationship with a woman again. I am in the Woman Haters Club of America. I am bad English and bad spelling in the South. I am D-U-N. <laughs> I do know how to spell. I didn't, go, I didn't drop school because I couldn't spell. And lo and behold, I kept my hope going and God brought the perfect person for me couldn't have sent anyone else that would have matched up better I mean this is perfectly someone that has walked with me through all this listen pastoring is not everything you think it is because you take you get all the good and you take all the bad you get all the praise and you get all the criticism you get all of the accolades you take all the hits it's not what and you better have somebody that can walk with you I wasn't designed to be beat up every day but man, she's tough. You've been listening to the Outreach.fm podcast with your host, Pastor William Luffman. We hope you've gotten some inspiration from this show. We enjoyed bringing it to you. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, reach out online. Find our website at faithoutreach.org. The streaming platform is livestreamchurch.com. Get an inspirational shot at a doseofhope.com. You've been listening to Outreach.fm. And remember, no matter what the weather may seem like in your life, the sun's going to shine again.